Hey, good morning, everyone. Warm welcome. Uh, if you have your Bibles, would you go to Deuteronomy? If you're not too familiar with where that is, it's the fifth book in the Bible. So you've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. So would you head there? And we're in chapter 3. And while you're going there, I'll just remind you of what we've already been hearing, is that in Romans 15 verse 4, these things that were written long ago are for our instruction. You know, you might be thinking, why in the world are we reading Deuteronomy? That's thousands of years ago. Um, these things are for our instruction, our encouragement. Uh, also through endurance, um, we have hope. So these things give us hope. I'll add there too that in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, there in verse 6, it says that these things that took place, and Paul is specifically talking about these events that we're talking about now, these things took place as examples for us so that we wouldn't fall into the same evil that they did. Okay, so very important. So Deuteronomy chapter 3, and we'll read from verse 23, and we'll go down to verse 29. This is God's word. And I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan that good hill country in Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me because of you and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, Enough from you. Do not speak to me of this again, of this matter again. But go up to the top of Pisgah and lift your eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward and look at it with your eyes. For you shall not go over this Jordan, but charge Joshua and encourage and strengthen him. For he shall go over at the head of this people, and he shall put them in possession of the land that you shall see. So we remained in the valley opposite Beth Beor. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, it's our prayer this morning that you would use uh, your word to work in us. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would till the soil of our hearts, that you would turn over that hard ground, and that you would um, give it the basis for receiving what we're about to hear from your word. And Lord, would some good things come from it. We pray that you would help us to believe that you would give us that great gift of faith as we hear your word preached this morning. Thank you so much for it. And Lord, we come under it, asking you, Lord, to um, help us to be humble and submit ourselves to it. Guide us and teach us, Lord, would it be of some instruction to us and would it be of some encouragement to us? Would it show us our human condition, but would it also show us our good and great Savior, Jesus Christ? Lead us to him this morning as we look at this passage. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be thinking, um, you know, as we look at Deuteronomy, as I might have thought a long time ago, um, why in the world are we going through this part of the Bible? What in the world has this got to do with me? Moses being for forbidden to enter the promised land. And what, what, what consequence does that have on my life? And why should I really even listen to this sermon? I'm going to give you three reasons and we'll explore those reasons as we go along. Um, number one, we see in this, in this portion of scripture that God is a holy God. That he is a holy judge. So why is this important to you? Because you have to face that same judge. 
you must give an account before him. You must stand before him. So this is important because we see here that God is holy. He is a holy judge. Secondly, it's important because we're not holy. And thirdly, this is important to your ears this very morning. Because God is holy and we are not holy, there is a gap that is too far for us to bridge. And we need a bridge. So for those three reasons, would you give your ears to me this morning and would you hear um, from this text what God has to say? So we're at the part now where Moses tells the people what kind of speech this is. The whole book of Deuteronomy is a speech. The whole book is his sermon. And it looks like a really, really long sermon to us, but it, it is his speech. And the reason that this is a farewell speech and not just a speech is Moses tells us here that he's not going to continue with the people of God. He's not going to continue with the Israelites. The Israelites are going to go on and Joshua is going to take over as their leader and lead them over the Jordan into the promised land. And now that idea of the promised land is very important. It's a land that God promised um, all the way back with Abraham. He said, I'm going to give you um, a place for your people. And so this is a farewell speech. This is not um, just somewhere in the middle speech. This is his goodbye speech. And he's telling them here why it's a goodbye speech. This is why it's a, it's a farewell sermon. And if you look again with me um, at verse 23 down to verse 25, and I pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, Oh Lord God, you have only begun to show your greatness and your mighty hand. And he goes on to say how great God is. And then down there in verse 25, he says, Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan. This is um, Moses describing to the people how he went and pleaded with God, but God denied his plea. Therefore, it becomes a farewell speech. Uh, he's not going on with him. And so that's an important for us to remember. And what strikes us here in the book of Deuteronomy, and it's going to strike us over and over again, is that human beings have a tendency to, to decide in themselves what is right and what is wrong. We have a tendency to decide what is fair and what is unfair. And it's quite easy for us to look at this and say, hold on, you know, if we know anything about the story of Moses, this was the guy who led the, the slaves out of Egypt. This was the guy who was at the front of all these people leading them. He was the one who went and talked to Pharaoh. He was the one who did all of that work. He was the one who went up to the mountain and talked to God and got these tablets and brought the law to the people. Moses is the one who wrote the first five books of the Bible. And to the Jew, Moses is the prophet in the Old Testament. Uh, he is the standout man. He is the standout servant of God. And so it may seem unfair that now he can see the land beyond the Jordan, but he's not able to go there, and God forbids him. Why does God forbid him? It's the very first reason that I talked about. God is holy, and he is a holy judge. And that is a problem that Moses is facing here right now. We don't see it right here, but Moses refers to it. If you look down at verse 26, he says, But the Lord was angry with me because of you. And what Moses is referring to, you can find in Numbers chapter 20. And there in Numbers chapter 20, um, the, all of the Israelites are in the desert. And they're in a part of the desert where there's absolutely no water. And then they start complaining. You brought us out from slavery just so we, we could die in the desert. 
where's, where's God? We have no water. Our, our cattle have no water. We're all going to die here. And then Moses and Aaron, they go and plead before God. And God says, okay, go out, take your stuff and go to this rock and call water out from that rock. And Moses, so furious with the complaining from the Israelites, so angry with them, he disobeys God and strikes the rock twice in his anger. And it's right there and then that God says to him, you and Aaron are not going into that land. The reason is because you didn't believe in me or uphold me as holy in front of these people. Do you see that language there? Holiness. God is so holy and he takes his word as serious because he is holy. God takes his word very seriously. And we see there in Numbers 20 that Moses didn't take it nearly as seriously enough as God did. And there he disobeyed God because he was angry at the Israelites and he struck the rock twice when, when he didn't follow what God was telling him what to do. And we see that he didn't take God's word seriously enough. Now, God is a holy judge who takes his word seriously. God is a holy judge who takes his holiness seriously. If you were holy, you wouldn't have to worry about it. The problem here, my friends, is we are not holy. You know, there in Romans chapter 3, 23, a verse that we hear a lot is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Even Moses. Even Moses. And we see there in verse 26, um, but the Lord was angry with me. Moses himself there feels the judgment of God feels the consequences of sin. And if we take Paul seriously, when he says these things take place as an example, um, the promised land is an example, a shadow of heaven, of eternity with God. And God's judgment here on Moses is an example of what it looks like to not take God's word seriously and not to believe in him or uphold him as holy. The consequences that we do not enter that rest. And some of us might think, you know, it's unfair that Moses didn't get to go into the promised land when he, he led them for 40 years through, through the wilderness. Hardest job out of anyone um, by far out of all the Israelites to do. He, he led them for 40 years and now he can't see the land. And some of us might think that's, you know, that's not fair. And the problem there is that we don't think God is as holy as he is. The problem there is that we don't take God's word seriously enough it is a huge crime to disobey God because of how holy he is and if this is a picture of heaven and if Moses here is a picture of what it looks like to disobey God and fall short and not enter to be stopped at the door this thing that takes place in time and space this thing that takes place in a temporal way Moses only lived for a certain time and he was denied this physical pleasure, this emotional pleasure, this mental pleasure there in that land. How much more terrifying is it to be stopped at the doors of heaven because we do not believe, because we do not uphold God as holy? If these are pictures of what is to come, um, we should learn and be instructed from here that we should take God's word seriously because we should take his holiness seriously, because he certainly does. And we see that example here. And 
you know, this being ex an, an example, um, what I'm not saying, and I don't think the book of Deuteronomy is saying, that Moses was stopped from heaven. Um, God actually treated him so well. In his last days, God himself buried Moses, and we'll see that later on in the book. God himself buried him, and, and that's only happened to Moses ever. Um, and in the book of Hebrews, it tries to catch Moses on his best days, you know. We, we see here how Moses falls short. Um, Hebrews tries to tell us about his best days, which we'll get to soon. So the reason why we should really pay attention this morning to this text is because it shows there that God is serious about his word, that God is a holy judge. It shows there too that we are sinful. And because of that gap between a holy God and an unholy people, um, there needs to be a bridge. Um, you, you shouldn't dare ever expect to go stand before God yourself and represent yourself before him. And we understand that on some human level. Um, say, for example, if, if you committed a crime and you were to stand before a judge, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't dare stand before the judge as your own lawyer. You'd get a professional. You'd get someone who knows the law, someone who interprets the law. Even better, try to get someone who knows the judge. You'd get someone to represent your case before you. Someone who stands as what the Bible calls a mediator. And a mediator um, is a kind of a two-way bridge. It bridges a gap between two parties and brings one party to the other and the other to the other. So in this case, if, if you were to stand before a judge, what the lawyer will do is bring your case before the judge. They'll present your case, they'll defend you, and then they'll tell, tell you what the judge is saying. They'll, they'll interpret for you the law. So they stand in between you. Um, another example may be a doctor um, who acts as somewhat of a bridge to your health. Is you wouldn't dare diagnose yourself if you had symptoms of COVID-19. You'd go to a, a professional. You'd go to someone who knows what they're talking about. You'd go to someone um, who can represent you properly, who can properly interpret your biological data and tell you what's happening. And the Bible shows us here um, a mediator in Moses. And Moses is acting as a mediator here. He's talking to the people from God. This is written scripture, which they were hearing firsthand in their ears. He's giving to them what God is saying. And often through the journey through the wilderness and through the desert for 40 years, he would go to God up, up on the mountain by himself and he'd represent the people before God. He acted as a bridge between God, a holy God, and unholy men. And now we come to another problem. Is Moses was a mediator, but he was a very limited mediator. The, the, obvious, the obvious limitations, he could only live for so long, and then his mediation would be over. And we see that here. He dies before he reaches the promised land. So he could only be a mediator for so long. He's limited by something else that's far more important. He's limited by his own sin. And we see here that God is angry with them. And then look at the consequence of that in verse 26 at the end. He says, and because of, oh sorry, because of you and would not listen to me. God was angry at me because of you and he wouldn't listen. So Moses becomes now a mediator who God will not listen to. And those are the consequences of his own sin. 
And so Moses is limited in a very significant way. Moses, the mediator, we see here, needs a mediator. Um, if we go back to the analogy about the doctor, you know, doctors can get it wrong sometimes. They misdiagnose. But this is even more severe than that. This is not about just a doctor misdiagnosing or giving the wrong treatment. This is a doctor who is sick himself. This is a doctor who needs medical attention um, from another doctor. So although this doctor can point us to another doctor, he is not the final one that we should look to. You think about a lawyer. Sometimes lawyers don't defend well. Sometimes people end up in prison for crimes that they didn't commit. But this is not just about a lawyer who got it wrong. This is about a lawyer who also committed a crime and he now needs a lawyer. And this mediator, Moses, is really showing that he also needs a great mediator, one greater than him. And where in the world are we going to find him? If Moses, who was the leader of the Israelites, sort of the best we had to offer, if, if we were sort of applying the story to ourselves, we wouldn't be Moses, we'd be the complaining Israelites. And if he can't do it, what hope do we have of performing his role and his duty? So who do we look to as the mediator? We look to who Moses looked to. And John chapter 5, there at the end, Jesus says this, If you believed Moses you would believe in me because he spoke about me. So Moses, the mediator, is pointing forward to Jesus. And we see two real problems uh, in the mediation of Moses. One is his performance. God ended up angry with him. He disobeyed. Um, he didn't take God's words seriously enough. But not only that, not only was his um, performance not up to standard, but also his position was deficient. Look there when he, he pleads with God. Uh, and there in verse 24 he says, O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant. Moses is a servant in the house of God. And this is an idea that is picked up in Hebrews chapter 3. You know, if you look back at Hebrews chapter 3 um, after the service or in your own time, you'll see there a direct comparison between Jesus and Moses. And one thing that that author in Hebrews picks up is that Moses is a servant in the house of God. So that speaks about his position in the house of God. Why is Jesus any better? Why is Jesus any better than Moses? Why can we look past Moses to Jesus? Why can we take the direction of Moses who points us to Jesus? Why should we look at Jesus at all? Well, let's think about his performance. The Bible says he was without sin. He was absolutely perfect. Every single law he kept to the perfect standard, every single thought, every single word, and every single action, Jesus performed perfectly. So much that he was without sin. There was no sin in Jesus. So when we look at the performance of Jesus, we see that he's not a failure at all. We see that he succeeded. We see that he was perfect and righteous. And what about his position? Well, back in Hebrews 3, when it talks about Moses' position as a servant, the comparison there is with Jesus as a son. Jesus is the son of the judge. Jesus is the son um, of the house. And if you and I are servants of the house and Moses is a servant of the house, that makes Jesus the owner of the house because he's the son of the house. So not only is his performance perfect, 
but his position is perfect. Who better to go to the judge than the son of the judge? Who better to plead your case than the one who is perfect and who is the perfect position? There is no one better. What makes Jesus better than Moses? Moses brought the message of God. Jesus was the message of God. He is the perfect mediator. He is the one who can stand between God and man because he is God and man. And I'll remind you of a verse there in 1 Timothy in chapter 2 verse 5. And take this very seriously. This is a huge statement about Jesus. It says there in 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God, one God, which goes against so many things that we hear in the world. It says there is one God and there is only one mediator between God and man. There is only one mediator between God and man. Not two, not three, not many. There is but one mediator between God and man. And then it tells us who it is. It is the man, Jesus Christ. There is no other mediator between God and man. There is no one who can stand between you, an unholy person, and God who is infinitely holy. There is no one who can plead your case successfully. We cannot rely on Moses. We cannot rely on Muhammad. We cannot rely on Buddha or any other world religion. There is but one mediator who can go before you and the one God. And that is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And so my question this morning, my dear friends, is this one. Is Jesus Christ your mediator? Do you expect anyone else to perform or hold the position that he does? Do you, do you expect that anyone else can stand between you, an unholy person, and God who is infinitely holy? Trust me, there is no one but Jesus who can mediate between you and God. There is no one who can perform or has a position to do so. And it's for that reason that we never pray in the name of Moses. It's for that reason that we never pray in the name of Muhammad or anyone else. There is only one name who we can approach God with, and that is the name of Jesus. He is the only one who can mediate for us. And watch this. Moses was limited by his life. He, he could only be a mediator for a period of time. Jesus will mediate forever perfectly as the infinite and eternal son of God there is no limitations for him there is no case too hard your case is not too hard for Jesus to take before the judge and so what must you do if Jesus is not your mediator you must come to Jesus in faith what does that look like again I'll remind you of an introduction um Faith is not just head knowledge. You know, you might have heard what I've said this morning about Jesus, and now you have some information about Jesus that you may or may not have known. If that's where it stops for you, you do not have faith in this mediator. You might even be convinced that I'm telling the truth. You might say, okay, I'll take the information, and it's, you know, I'll believe Dwayne. You know, I trust him there. If you stop there, you have not believed in the mediator. So what must you do? You must pass from knowledge through conviction into confidence. And what does that look like? You know, there's the example of the chair. I can tell you that this chair can support your weight. You might go from that knowledge to believing me. 
You might be convicted about that and say, yeah, I believe you. But if you have not sat in that chair, you do not really believe what I've said. You must put your weight onto it. And so what am I saying this morning? There is no one who can stand before an unholy person and a holy God but Jesus Christ. For you to have faith in, in that means for you to put all of your weight onto Jesus. And no other, no other mediator. Your job is not going to get you points with God. Your family is not going to get you points with God. Growing up in a Christian house is not going to get you points with God. That cannot stand between you and God. Those things will fall away and burn. Moses cannot stand before you and God. He himself identifies that he needs a mediator, one greater than him. It is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone that you must put all of your weight onto. There is no one else. It's him exclusively. No one can present your case to God and no one can bring the blessings of God to you except for this two-way bridge. There is no other bridge that can get you there. There is no other bridge that will bring God to you. It's Christ and Christ alone. Is he your mediator? That's the question this morning. Is Jesus Christ the one who stands between you and God? Well, let me pray. Oh Lord, thank you so much for your word. And Father, would you help us to take your word as serious as you do. Help us, Lord, to understand that you are a holy God, an infinitely holy God. And help us, God, to examine ourselves correctly. Help us to see what the Bible has to say about us as being unholy, as even angering you and facing the consequences of your judgment. Help us from there, Lord, to not run away from you as we identify that we are sinners and that you are holy. Help us not to flee from you, but instead to flee to Christ. Help us, God, as you make us aware of our need for a mediator to run to the mediator instead of running away from the judge. Help us to have faith, Lord. Would you give us that great gift? Would you disturb us this morning if we are comfortable with where we are? And Lord, would you perform a miracle in our hearts? Draw us to you. Draw us to our Savior, our mediator, the one who we can put all of our weight on. Lord, have your way in us. Pray in the precious name of our mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.